Welcome to the Bliss Seekers Podcast. Our podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast and please enjoy the show. You get the point of life that, that it, you have to think about what is the purpose of your life? Like what do you really do in your life? Okay, so I was born in Japan. I was given proper education and I was fortunate enough to travel to see those reality of the world and what can I use those experience how can I use those experience to or make myself useful for you know for for others or for for society or I, I always think about like you know yeah, it's just, life is so unfair. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. She is an artist, writer, and the founder of Love The Way, a creator of inspirational and motivational content in art form. Love The Way offers calligraphic, Asian-inspired abstract art created to inspire and encourage everyone to embrace their unique life journey. These inspirations for her art included the beauty of nature, the mystery of the universe, and words of wisdom that transcend time and space. Originally from Japan, she earned a bachelor's degree in bioethics at Waseda University in Tokyo and a master's degree in political science from California State University. She's a self-taught artist and uses mixed medium and acrylic color on canvas. She sets in motion her career as a part-time artist in 2006 by selling customized pieces while working as a political journalist. What began as a sporadic commission work transpired into a blooming art studio, bringing to life the concepts that served as her inspirations. She has, she's had a showing at art galleries in Modesto and San Francisco and at a major art show, including Sacramento Art Festival, the Saratoga Rotary Art Show, and Art and Craft Festivals in Oakland. She has donated a number of pieces to various fundraiser events at schools and charity organizations and offered commission work for special occasions such as wedding, newborn babies, and graduations as well. She is currently based in Santa Cruz, which offers beautiful nature where she enjoys running, backpacking, and spiritual exploration. Please welcome to the podcast, Miss Haruko de Arth. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. And by the way, uh, this is an exciting podcast because it's the first podcast back in studio. We've been gone in Hawaii for a long time, but we're back now and we have an amazing guest today. So, um, you know, we always like to start the podcast with kind of getting to know the person because uh, I feel that if they get to know you and your story, they can connect with you better. So you were born in Japan, born and raised in Japan. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about that. Uh, what part of Japan, you know, how long were you there for? Tell us a little well, bit about that. Well, I'm, I'm a Japanese native. I was born and raised in Japan, uh, lived until late 20s. So, okay. yeah, um, uh, so I'm from uh, the town of Kofu, which is about 100 miles west of Tokyo. It's kind of like a foothill town of Mount Fuji that people okay. probably know about. Oh, so Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji, yeah. yeah I yeah. was able to see that the top of Mount Fuji from my window from my parents' house. Oh, really? Yeah. That must have been cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a country, like a mixture of, of a modern uh, city with 
a tons of nature around, so mm-hmm. it's a really nice place to. So I have a question: Mount Fuji is that a volcano? Yeah, it's volcanic, but that it's dormant. It's dormant. Oh, okay, so it's not active. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you said you grew up west of of Tokyo. Yeah, it's okay. about hundred miles uh, away from Tokyo, so it's like um uh it's not quite commute commutable distance, yeah. but a lot of people um living in a, a Kofu, and if, when I visit my parents, um and has a business in Tokyo, I don't have to stay in Tokyo. Actually, I just you know take a train, uh, not a boat boat train, like express train, right. and it takes only an hour and a half. Okay. to get to Kofu. So, so you're an hour and a half outside of Tokyo by train. Okay. So tell us a little bit about growing up. So you, you, you don't say Mount Fuji. How do you pronounce it? Mount Fuji. Fuji. Okay. So that's how the Japanese pronounce it. It's mm-hmm. Fuji. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know right. the apple, Fuji apple? Yeah. That's Fuji actually apple. come from Fuji, Mount Fuji. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a brand name. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're one of my favorite apples too. Yeah. 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 It's really flavorful. So. Mount Fuji or, or Fuji, mm-hmm. uh, the apples come from there and it's also the dormant volcano. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. you grew up in, the, in what was it, uh, town, Kofu? Kofu, town nearby, like a foothill town. It's a city um, surrounded by a lot of mountain, actually. That sep- the mountain separates from big city of Tokyo and Kofu. So I wasn't raised in a, like a big city like a Tokyo so it's more uh laid back countryside and um yeah but you know I was raised in a mixture of traditional Japanese culture and uh economic prosperity of modern Japan um okay. my yeah my parents are really into education and um yeah. Yeah, I pretty much did everything uh, what my parents expected <laughs> me yeah. to do. Like, yeah. you know, I did sports and then I got involved in like a student councils. And um, but I always wanted to, uh, you know, as a child, I look around those mountain, right, in, in uh, surrounding the city. And uh, I was always wondering what's out there beyond those mountains. And then in Japan, of course, it's a a country of, of island. So I was won- wondering what's out there outside the country out of the ocean. So it's like I was always dreaming about. Uh, of course, I didn't know at that time that, that I, I'm going to be moving to the United States yeah. <laughs> later on in my life or uh, traveling around the world. But yeah, I was always curious about different culture and different countries. Yeah, so you grew up surrounded by mountains. So, did you visit Tokyo often as a kid? Not or much. Were you okay, not much. Mm-hmm. So, how long did you spend in, in your town until you kind of started to venture out a little until bit? Until I graduated high school. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I moved on to uh, college in Tokyo. That's how I moved out oh, of the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like most kids, like college, would get out. Yeah. Yes, get out. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get out, right? Yeah. Studying my own life and exploring the world. So, the college days is very exciting. Um uh yeah basically i got involved a a, a lot of volunteering activities because i was really curious about uh what's happening in the world and then i volunteered at the nonprofit organization providing uh like aid and assistance for the refugees or the um uh, war-torn countries and that organization actually uh, provided humanitarian aid to 
many African countries and Asian countries. So um, I took an opportunity to volunteers to work at uh, in a refugee camp in Croatia, where we have a lot of um, refugees from Bosnia. You know, back in 1995, in the summer, the country of former Yugoslavia was uh, in problem, like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, at war. We actually had a guest who survived the genocide of the Bosnian-Croatian uh, War, or uh, the oh. Bosnian-Serbian War okay. in the 90s. She was on the show oh, wow. a couple shows ago, right? Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys should check that episode out. Um, but she was talking about it. She survived that whole oh, thing that goodness. happened. So you were actually helping out those refugees mm-hmm. that were going, they were going, a lot of them, to Japan? Or you went to Bosnia and how about? I, I went to Bosnia. I, I went to the Croatia, oh, okay. where the Bosnian refugees are staying. Right, right, Croatia. I'm sorry. Yeah. So she was, yeah. So you went to Croatia because that's where a lot of the Bosnian refugees mm-hmm. went. Okay, wow. Yeah. How old were you when that, when you went over there to, to volunteer? I was, I was a, just a college student volunteer for summer. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of like an intern almost mm-hmm. um, I was part of the um, program in, uh, provided by the local nonprofit organization mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of children's um, in the camp but they weren't provided uh, formal educations mm-hmm. so the the local nonprofit organization are providing the educational activities and the recreational activities for the kids, uh, the grade schools to the high school. So basically, I was, uh, you know, me and two other volunteers from one from America and one from uh, Denmark actually oh, wow, got okay. together and yeah. um, basically played with the kids. <laughs> um, did a lot of sports, basketball and soccer, and nice. it, and the camp was really. Uh, camp was set up in a really nice location nearby the beach where it used to be like a vacation uh, destination for the people uh, in Croatia. Um, So each family, Bosnian families are uh, given like an RV type of, um, you know, accommodation. Okay. And they were staying there. By the time that I was there, they were been living in that camp for over three years. Wow, that's a long time for yeah. not being able to go home or mm-hmm. not being able to um, have a, you know, job or pursue a career or kids uh, going to school. That's a really difficult situation. So uh, while I was there, only a short time, I really saw what's the real impact of conflict or war right to the people's life yeah. on a day-to-day basis and that was probably one of the worst wars to hit europe since world war ii yeah 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 i i didn't really see like actual like killing or yeah. genocide or the bomb dropping or anything yeah. like that but that it's just uh how 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 profoundly impacting people's life because you know pe- you c- you have no hope like yeah you, you lost everything you lost the house you lost you fled from town and then you lost my family members and then yeah. it's really difficult for parents to raise children so um yeah that experience really got me think uh like what i really want to do in my life or mm-hmm. as a cr- uh, you know what kind of career I want to pursue. So uh, it made me think about, all right, I want to get involved in a nonprofit um, mm-hmm. humanitarian aid work. 
uh, where I can directly uh, like involved in and then assist um, those people who is in need. Yeah. So you you basically kind of found a passion for helping that type of cause yeah. through that. Yeah. I mean, that was probably pretty impactful to be you know a young Japanese woman. You know, first time leaving. Well, you already left because you went to Tokyo, right? But mm -hmm. first time leaving your country mm -hmm. after growing up surrounded by mountains. Well, I, actually, by the time, uh, that was my senior in high uh, in college. Okay, so I already traveled through different countries. Okay. Bef you know, as my sophomore year and a junior year, I've been to the United States. Oh, okay. Uh, took a language class. And, yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, I, was, I was comfortable enough to travel around by yeah. myself and explore and then experience and instead of pursuing my career uh in a big japanese corporation like everybody else did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i decided to take that uh, opportunities to work in the uh, refugee camp but that actually helped me to find my passion so. that's awesome yeah. so so why did you not choose the big japanese corporation and why did you choose to do the volunteer work Mm, not sure. Um, I it, it just you know working for like a mega bank or corporate Japan or maybe government um, mm -hmm. didn't really um, resonate with me. The idea working for those um, like a successful career path didn't right. really um, uh, attractive to me or I thought that there was something else going on in the world that, right. that people are not really paying much attention or um, maybe there's a there's a people who are neglected or mm -hmm. there's a people who can only um, left with the option to get help to get their feet on the ground like or you know start with right so um you kind of wanted something bigger, yeah, like a bigger like a, purpose. Like a, yeah, maybe, maybe I just wanted to. Of course, you know, uh, if you work for the corporation, if you work for the government, you can still contribute to the society. You of know, course, the yeah. Good course, and everybody doing in their own place. But um, to me at the time, non-profit, working for non-profit, or maybe, you know, maybe like a, something like a United Nations or right, Doctors yeah. Without Borders, that kind right. of. Uh, would be my path. And then it's actually a professional career path. Right. So I wanted to pursue that. Yeah. So I'm just curious because um, let's go back to when you were like a child and growing up in close to Mount Fuji, right? Um, was there any certain things that happened to you like when you were young that made you kind of more like have that ha that heart to help people or, you know, d did anything happen like when you were younger or, or was it just maybe because you grew up kind of in the small countryside town, you wanted to see the world a little bit more you just wanted to see what the world was about because you did grow up in the small town right um i think um there's a few things maybe uh that maybe um <coughs> that i can touch upon when i was in maybe third grade or fourth grade um uh, i went to the library and they are asking for asking for donations for um helping out the cambodian boat people Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that this that was like a back in nineteen eighties, I think, yeah. 
uh, after the Vietnam War, a lot of both people from Vietnam and Cambodia fleeing to the United States. Remember those times? And there's a lot of Cambodian refugees uh, settling down in the United States. And there's a lot of people also came to Japan. And th they are asking for donations to help out those people. And then I have no idea what's the refugee or what's the yeah. old people. So maybe that's the first, very first time that, that I was introduced yeah. to Kind of planted the seed in yeah, your head. I think yeah. so. And then also, um, I read the book of um, uh, Dr. Schweitzer. Uh, do you know that um, he, he's the one who discovered the one of the uh, uh, transmittable diseases in Africa, um, yellow fever. Okay. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember. But that I read about his uh, bibliography, and um, he's the doctor who kind of devoted his life to help the people in Africa. He's from Germany, but that he, you know, instead of uh, seeing his patient in uh, Germany or going through his career path in a big hospital in a uh, developing country, he decided to um, go where uh, the total lack of resources, medical and health care yeah, like resources. Really poor third world country. Third world countries, yeah. Um, so I was a little, really inspire, inspired by, by those people who dedicate their life for, um, for someone who Pretty much nothing to do with you or not your family, not friend, but that right. a, a fellow humans, right. um, regardless where they're from. And I was very, yeah, like curious and also inspired. Right. Maybe those are the one, like you know, maybe I can think of too. Okay. Yeah. And so, did did you grow up as the only child, or did you have siblings? I have siblings. Okay. I'm the I'm the oldest, and then I have a sister two years younger than me, and my brother seven years younger than me oh wow so so i'm the oldest too so i kind of understand i kind of feel you on that one so what was it like being the oldest of uh, of your family was it a lot more responsibility like uh, what was that like being the oldest especially uh -huh. the oldest girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so you know japan i think my parents generations are they're pretty conservative you know they want to raise children and uh they expect kids to go to the good college and, and get a job at the good company yeah. and just kind of a, you know, but my parents actually always encouraged me to, um, like pursue my passion. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? So uh, some of my friend, uh, the parents are saying like, well, as a woman, you know, you don't want, I don't want you to go to the Tokyo. I don't want yeah. you to go out the, uh, leave the home. And yeah. That's such a, restriction on on their life and then uh, my parents never really said that and then i'm sure as a mother <laughs> of two children now i can assure that that how my parents were feeling about when i said that i'm gonna go to the bosnia to you know to yeah. volunteer <laughs> <laughs> the country in, uh, under the war um but even then my parents kind of uh, understood like I'm just following my passion yeah. and I need to figure it out. I need to explore. And then they thought that it won't stopping won't do any good yeah. to me. So they just 
pray for my safety. And <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. I'm forever thankful for that. Yeah, that's very rare, actually, that parents support their kids' passions, especially, especially with dangerous. I mean, quote unquote, it probably wasn't as dangerous as people think, but I, I can imagine some, you know, very traditional Japanese parents growing up in a, you know, a countryside town of, you know, uh, Japan, and now their daughter, the oldest one, of, of course, right? Oh, I'm taking off to Bosnia to go I mean, to to Croatia to go help Bosnian refugees in one of the you know worst wars in Europe. Or it wasn't even a war; it was basically a genocide, right? In Europe for the last you know thirty years. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That's pretty crazy. But so your parents have always supported you to pursue like your passions. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so so when you went, so now you're leaving. Um, what was it? Kofu, and you're going to Tokyo. What was it like your first time, like, you know, a, a young college student, now you're in Tokyo, what was, what was that like? Well, uh, as, as supportive as my parents were, they, they are also conservative, and I really couldn't do much, uh, like, other... Uh, Activities? I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, uh, yeah, like, you... you, you dating was that like you know very hard for for me even to though do. you were outside of the no, no, other no. Home. i mean when i was doing well yeah when you were there yeah yeah house, okay right? so, so now you're now free. I'm free yeah <laughs> so, yeah of course i explored and, yeah um, kind of um just yeah the freedom right and yeah. then being the, but the freedom comes with the responsibility yeah 100 yeah, um, mm-hmm. but then sometimes kids don't know that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah so uh what i did is that um my parents luckily my parents pay for the tuitions but that i decided to pay my own living expense okay. and get also a student loan in which i later later on i pay back uh i mean pay off myself but anyways, um, so I work part-time as a uh, tutor for the students, or maybe the uh, I'm the instructor at um, some uh, um, prep school. There's a, uh, in Japan, there's a, a school called the prep school for the high school students to just go, just um, getting a really supportive um, uh classes in order to prepare to get into the good college like college prep yeah college prep course maybe okay. yeah. yeah so okay. i i taught uh to in those kind of schools so that was my part-time job and then when I, you were in college when i was in college yeah okay. so i'm a full-time student and then i work part-time and then also um save some money uh, so that i can actually travel around the okay. world yeah. so as a, as a as a college student i didn't do any luxury vacation right. trip but that i wanted to kind of uh, do backpacking trip to yeah. asia and europe and um and i went to india also and then one summer i wanted to improve my english so i took uh english language school uh ELS okay program in uh, in the united states okay so i've been kind of a travel around yeah. and uh get a lot of experience so those dreams when you were a little girl staring at the mountains finally started mm-hmm. to come true exactly yeah. yeah so you didn't just leave to tokyo you started leaving, leaving all over the, the world yeah yeah seeing the culture different uh yeah so seeing the different country really opens your eye oh 100 yeah. yeah and to the different 
culture and a different perspective mm-hmm. and maybe the language that, mm-hmm. that they speak. And then, of course, um, I took English class from middle school to high school, okay. but the, uh, you, you, it, doesn't, it doesn't get really good <laughs> yeah. unless you practice it. Yeah. Unless you're forced um, into an environment it, where you mm-hmm. have to do it. Right? Yeah, so that was one of my um, primary um, goals. Mm-hmm. Um, to accomplish, like okay, I really need to be um, become fluent, so I yes. can communi- communicate with the people, and then be able to, um, yeah, just to get around. Yeah. Also, you need that. You need you need to be able to communicate, and then also um, understand what not just what they're saying in like uh, while traveling but that that really communicating and understanding the differences and um yeah so the traveling helped me to uh improve my english language skills as well as to prepare myself for i would say the next step of my life what what i do after college yeah, that's big. I mean, because most people don't get to travel. I mean, my first travel outside of the country was 19 years old and we went to Europe. I was a chaperone for my sister's high school because she was in advanced placement courses. And we went to England, Flan- uh, I- England, France and Italy. And it was like, uh, you know, it was London, Paris, Fl- Venice, Venice, Florence, Siena and Rome. And after that trip, like my mind was just stretched beyond belief. You know, all these little problems that I thought I had in San Jose seemed so insignificant. You know, I just realized it was just this huge world out there. And ever since then, I was just like, I just love to travel, you know. So what was your first big trip outside of Japan when you when you got to college? What was the first trip that that you went to outside of the outside of the country? Actually, my first trip to the to overseas was in the United States. I oh. went to um, So here, here. was first. Yeah, oh, here okay. the first time. Um Where did you took, go? I took a English language class in Seattle University in Washington. Okay. Yeah. Washington. Okay, mm-hmm. Seattle, Washington. Yeah. So what was that like? <laughs> it was it was interesting. Uh it was just a summer session. I took um one month English class and then I, I was able to, uh, so during that time I was staying at dormitory of the Seattle yeah. University. And it's my first time. I really didn't really uh, speak good English that time. Um, they uh, put us in an assessment test and then kind of uh, uh, placed me into the uh, in, in the level of the class that I'm at. Yeah. And then I was like uh, out of like a level one to level six. Well, six being the, the highest level of that uh, the program for foreign students. I was placed at the level five. Okay. So um, after finishing up the level six, you are able to actually transfer to the community college if you want to. So uh, I was kind of that level. Um, yeah, but then I got homesick really badly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nowadays, you can find the Japanese restaurants all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, that, <laughs> now it's this like, is like you know, one of the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like a 20 years, more than 20 years ago. So that was yeah, there there wasn't too many uh, Japanese restaurant or sushi restaurants available, yeah. and then I missed missed my food. Um, but especially in Washington, I'm sure at that time. Yeah, the Seattle there's actually a lot of Japanese American populations in oh, Seattle. Oh, is it? Okay. 
Um, so, yeah, there's the grocery stores and everything. But um, basically, no, I didn't really care about being with other Japanese. I wanted to be with uh, non-Japanese. Yeah. So that, uh, or the, the friends from other countries. Right. Like uh, I made a friend's, uh, made a friend's, um, the, the person from Mexico, I remember, uh, the person from Italy or Hong Kong. So there was a lot of international mm -hmm, students there. A lot of okay. International student. It was a really fun time. Yeah. To get I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. All these people from all over the world uh -huh. coming to the U.S. to, to learn English. Yes. And see the the country for the first time. Exactly. So I tried to hang out with them as much as possible. Yeah. Even a short time, and after that, uh, completing that program, just a one month. I right. did to stay at um, one of my friends who are from Seattle, actually American friend from Seattle. She invited me to homestay at her place for another month. So I get hung out with her and she just took me around everywhere she goes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So you actually got to see Seattle from Seattle. someone who lives there. Mm -hmm. And then not just being an exchange student or international student at the at the school, I get to experience maybe just, you know, daily life w with her um, and going to shopping, going to movie, um, going to the concert or... Was the Space Needle around back then? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so yeah. did you get to see mm -hmm. that? Did. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I believe it was late Ju July or August, there's a sea fair. It's a, one of the major carnivals in Seattle oh, wow. where like a blue angels will fly in the sky and <laughs> it was like my first time I've seen those Man. things like oh, what was cool. that like yeah super cool <laughs> yeah right? it was super cool yeah so then um you got to spend about two months in the United mm -hmm. States and you go back to Tokyo mm -hmm. what was your next trip after that so so that was my sophomore year and then junior year mm, I went to India <laughs> wow yeah. what a completely opposite contrast from the united states that's yeah. something i chose india specifically uh to see the third world countries right uh and there's just so many countries in the third world but india's are well known as one of the most difficult countries to travel uh, uh -huh. around and then uh People say you either really like India or dislike India once right. you get there. Yeah. Um, it's it's very hot and yeah. it's really noisy and busy and then really chaotic and yeah. then, uh, the streets are not so clean. And right. It's just uh, a lot of um, a lot of homeless people. Right. Uh, which which part of India did you I go to? I traveled uh, from New Delhi to. Um, Northern, northern part of India. Oh, northern part, okay. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then I, I just kind of did the touristic things. Like yeah. I went to the Agra, uh, Jaipur, and then Baranasi, where y you see the, the river of Ganga, like a, uh, the famous river yeah. where people bathe and then oh, they yeah. the cremate and then they throw the ash and everything. It's yeah. like everything in the In, in the, the river. Water. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. It must it's a cu <laughs> cultural shock. Yeah. And also shocking to see the really absolute poverty i mean i never really seen that before yeah um or maybe suffering i would right. say yeah yeah so that so what did those two um adventures or travels what did that do for you when you finally got back to japan like how did that put things into I, perspective for you i really 
really appreciated that how clean <laughs> yeah. the country is like um the sunny the sense of like idea of sanitation is just so so different um mm-hmm. i i get really sick in india as well just mm-hmm. from drinking water or i i was very careful but i still got really sick right. from the maybe drinking water or uh eating food local food um, yeah it's a lot of new bacteria germs just stuff that you had never experienced before yeah uh, um and how to well basically i was there as a foreign tourist status right yeah, yeah. so they tried to uh kind of a uh you know how to how to how to uh okay here's a I, I went with my uh, female friend from college. Right. So two Japanese young females okay. from Japan, not, not knowing anything about traveling in India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are, they're really trying to advantage, taking advantage yeah. of us. You know, how to, how to get the money out of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That t- costs this much and it's like triple, right? <laughs> yeah. So how to navigate those, you know, yeah. uh, travel culture in India is uh, just a uh, quickly learn you know you had to click quickly learn uh how to handle those um the people who trying to get uh how to say um take advantage of you mm-hmm. get money out of you mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then how to handle when somebody just come to st- stick a hand yeah big money beggars, beggars or beggars. Yeah. yeah stuff like that yeah, yeah. Um, well, you can't just give them money. I mean, that might help something, but that it's really doesn't really solve any big problem. So right. I kind of decided not to do that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I just took it as a one big experiences um, out of out of many, and. Um, yeah, put me in a perspective, like how unique, like each country or each culture has. And then you happen to be born in that country. It's not, it wasn't your choice. You know, the the fact that I happened to be born in Japan, it wasn't my choice. Right. But, uh, by sort of coincidental, I don't know. I could have been born in India. I could have been born in Africa. I could have been born in the United States. So... Now I look back, I uh, feel like eventually you get to the point that, that it, to th- you get to the point of life that, that it, you have to think about what is the purpose of your life? Like, what do you really do in your life? Okay, so I was born in Japan. I was given proper education, and I was fortunate enough to travel to see those reality of the world and what can I use those experience? How can I use those experience to, or make myself useful for, you know, for, for others or for, for society or mm-hmm. I, I always think about like, you know, yeah, it's just life is so unfair yeah. in a way. So you kind of, uh, got a new sense of gratitude and appreciation for where mm-hmm. where you grew up yeah. and you saw it differently yeah but i think that also kind of made you want to help where you could is that correct mm-hmm. yeah so 
I think that someone like me or people who grew up in the you know wealthy nations have a lot of resources, and then、right. I thought that it's there's a so many way to、um, re redistribute in a way, redistribute the wealth to those who are un、uh, not as fortunate, not as fortunate, or maybe uh for those who have no resources to um. Help themselves, right? Yet. So、uh, it's not like a just giving away the money, but、mm-hmm. there's a way to、um, help develop the system, maybe,、mm-hmm. or maybe help.、Um, so that that's what the, a lot of a government assistance program or、right. profit assistance program would do. So again,、uh, all my experience are sort of you know help me to revert my thinking to back to what I want to do for my. Career and、yeah. it's always come back to, yeah, I want to do something to help out people. Yeah. So all those experiences basically made you, basically made you appreciate, you know, growing up in Japan and you wanted to to help. And I, I like how you said it's not just about giving the money because that's not going to do much. But what those organizations do, like nonprofits or stuff like that, they they maybe try to fix the systems that are broken in those countries or teach people how to. Somewhat help themselves is that is that kind of、mm-hmm. the way it was,、mm-hmm. and it's funny how you mention、um, Japan and India because you know Japan is still known as maybe the cleanest, you know, safest,、mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> most well put together country in the world.、And、I actually do want to go to Japan because you know I just I just spent two months in Hawaii and Hawaii is、mm-hmm. like a you know eight hours or whatever real real close plane flight to Japan.、Mm-hmm. So. That's probably where we we will be going, or I'll be going in the future, very near future, right? But I just heard Japan is just like the cleanest, the safest. Like you could leave your phone in the middle of the street, and they'll just pick it up for you, or they'll leave it there, and no one will touch <laughs> it. You know what I mean?、Um, so I mean, you know, now you're out, you've seen the world,、um, you've seen, you know, the refugees from Bosnia. You went to India and saw, you know,、mm-hmm. true poverty and you know a, a very populated, just crazy, you know,、uh, a lot of good, but also a lot of a lot of you know things that were shocking to you.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now you get back, and and what happens after all your travels?、Uh, did you finish school? Like yeah, I finished the school. I graduated from Waseda University in Tokyo, and um, I um, decided to um, take a position offered by. The nonprofit organization based、okay. in Tokyo, and they decided me sent to、uh, they decided sent me to the project in Cambodia. So、oh, I <laughs> another, another、uh, war torn, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this organization or、uh, actually the same nonprofit that I volunteered during the during the college years. Okay. So they knew me and they know that I traveled to. Bosnia, and then a, a they they actually think that that I can be、uh, managing some of the program that they are doing in Asia or African countries. So、wow. I was assigned、um, a mission in Cambodia, where they are providing vocational training program for、uh, handicapped people. Okay. Uh, basically, you know, you know the landmines. A lot yeah, of landmines are buried in、mm, yes. in in Cambodia. So, a lot of people lost their legs and arms. And yeah, that's pretty crazy.、Mm-hmm. Like it's still happening. Like yeah, they're they're still. It's impossible to get、uh, all landmines out. It's、yeah. still there. 
uh, and as as careful as they are in the farmers and in, in working mm-hmm. in the countryside, they still have some impact. And um, right. yeah, once you get a handicap like that, it's the Cambodia is one of the poorest countries in the world. There's no resources for the government right. or to help out those people. Uh-huh. So where that's where nonprofit or UN program come into play to okay. help them out. What were you guys doing for those people? So we had we're running the vocational training school. Um, so we accept like uh, 30, 40, 50 students at the time and then teach them. We hire the local teachers to um, so that the student can uh, develop their skills of like repairing a motorbike or okay. um, yeah, back in those days like a, repairing a radio or yeah. you know, stuff like that and then for women sewing skills um, so that after graduating from the school they can be, become some be, become more financially independent right. by okay. using those skills so you were giving them these are like poor farmers or people from the countryside mm-hmm. And you would give them actual skills so they can yeah. make money and earn a living mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was basically, uh, I wasn't teaching them directly, but that right. I was managing that program. So you like were I'm putting it together, putting it together, coordinating, and yeah. um, you know, the putting the financial, um, uh, yeah, the, the m- numbers, ma- together. numbers together. Mm-hmm. So you were in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. How long did uh, you spend? Uh, one one year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, so <laughs> you've been all over. So, uh, so after that 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 year in Cambodia, what did you do next? So, uh, while in Cambodia, um, while I was running the program, I was also able to uh, have some experience working together with the local government. Because whenever the nonprofit going to do some project, y- you have to have kind of a uh, coordinate with the local government and uh, have their support maybe because the government also, um, the, the foreign nonprofit is a really important, valuable resources for them. Yeah. So we always work together, local authorities. And sometimes we need a permissions or uh, some, yeah, the, it's inevitable, inevitable to work together, having okay. good relationships. So, Which is important, yeah. Yeah, it's very important. And so I was sort of um, uh, kind of new face in that field, yeah. but that I, uh, I was probably better uh, with talking and negotiating with those people more than to, to other my colleagues <laughs> in organization why do you think that was i guess that i think they are too quiet my colleagues okay. are a little too quiet and then and you need to kind of speak up when you yeah. know and, and then also i learned to work with the uh, other non-profit organization working in the same field yeah. like uh, we weren't the only one working or to help out the people uh in landmine or uh handicapped people so there's other foreign organization from european countries or united states and maybe un people to come and work together there's like a big foreign community there okay so i work with them and that that was a really wonderful experience for me but it made me realize that the well i i really need to um there the 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 staff members from other organizations are highly educated like well they all have like a master degrees or phd or they're they're professional and then i felt like i was just so 
you know, just out of college and then I have no much working experience. So, okay, I better to at least have a master master degrees. So my next focus was to, okay, I want to get a master degrees of uh, maybe international relations or something like that from uh, accredited U.S. university. So that was my next uh, goal, next step. Next step, so... So you left Cambodia, and where did you go And then to? I went back to Japan for a couple of years to save money. And mm-hmm. while in Japan for two years, I worked for, uh, I had opportunities to work for the politicians, actually. Japanese politician mm-hmm. is like a equivalent to a congressman here um, as a, like a political researcher. Okay. So I get to have a little bit of a uh, experience of working in a national level of politics. And then I thought, hmm, you know, the politi- politics is just, impacting so much of the people's life too. Yeah. So uh, helping out poor people or people in need, bottom up, is very important. But actually, the policy making may be very important to make a big impact on people's lives. So right. I decided to take political science uh, class and degree in the United States. Oh. So during those so two years... Well, not quite ma- big major. It's it, For me, it's... Yeah. it's a, it's connected. Okay. So yeah. Kind of similar. similar. So, yeah. I just wanted to have a different approach, maybe. Um, it's okay to work for the nonprofit in the future, but that are also important to, to know how politics works, how the registration prep, yeah, uh, how the registration process works, and then how actually they, they are lawmakers, right? How they make a law. <laughs> so, um, I save up some money to go to the graduate school, and then I moved to the United States. And where did you where did you move to? I moved to the California. I went to the uh, California State University, Chico. Oh, Chico. Okay. Yeah. So you went to a small town in California. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I I wanted to go to the UC Berkeley. That was my uh-huh. sort of dream school. But I while in Cambodia, I met a guy, okay. uh, American, okay. and. Uh, and pretty soon, actually, I was proposed, and then I, I got married. Oh, so you met so your So I was already, there. Yeah, yeah, so I, by the time I went back to Japan, we were married, and then we kind of planned out our life together, and I wanted to go back to graduate school, and then he also wanted to go back, go back to the graduate school. So how we did it all together, right. uh, it's a really... Was he from Chico? Yes, yeah, so so that's where he graduated. Um, oh, that's no, where he was going to school. Yeah, that's where he went to school uh, uh, bachelor, and got a bachelor degree. So it was easier for him to go back to his where uh. he's where he got a degree rather than trying to get in a Berkeley. That's yeah. really impossible for him. Like not impossible, but that it was very difficult. A lot harder. Harder. From, from Chico, yeah. Yeah. So okay, uh, it wasn't my ideal uh, situation, but. I kind of compromised, and so then you, I you compromise for for love for for your, for, uh, for your the relationship and the marriage relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but at least you know, for me, it was my uh, my purpose was getting a master degree of political science. Um, it wasn't maybe the uh, the best university to go to to. Um, yeah, but then you know, it, it it was it was good. I at least it provided me with enough knowledge and and uh, coursework and um, thesis that I worked on. It's all 
benefited me to get a